Zigzag and One, a place where we honestly discuss how to embrace the zigs and the zags in our crazy lives. Running away is not an option. Living in defeat is not an option. Instead, learning how to keep moving forward is what we'll do together, one nugget of wisdom at a time. Your host is Melanie Brown. She's navigated a few zigs and zags in her life with the determination to never give up. Expect great stories and lots of laughs. Are you ready? Let's do it. Hey friends, I'm Melanie Brown, your host for the Zigzag in One podcast. If you know me at all, you know I am all about fighting to overcome the struggles or the zigzags we face in life. And I believe that in order to fight well, you need strategies that really defeat those zigzags. I am so excited about my guest today, Dr. Christy Bartolomucci. She shares strategies that are great to fight to overcome anxiety. And anxiety is definitely a hot topic in our society today. She's a psychologist and professional counselor, and she has helped hundreds of clients learn strategies that really work. In fact, she's a rock star here in Smyrna. She's a wife, a mother, and two sons. And the reason that she's a rock star is because she is excellent at what she does. Her counseling practice is in Smyrna and Buckhead. It's called Atlanta Innovative Counseling Center. If you or someone you love struggles with anxiety, you better grab a pen because you're going to want to take notes. This episode is power-packed with great information and strategies. Please join me for my conversation with Dr. Christy Bartolomucci. Thank you for joining me today, Dr. Christy. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here with you today. I have been looking forward to this. Whether or on the news or on social media, I have seen that anxiety is a hot topic. Mm -hmm. And so I was curious as to the numbers of people who struggle with anxiety, so I did a little research. I found that anxiety affects 40 million adults, and women are twice as likely to be affected as men. I think the one that got me the most because I work with students is anxiety affects 25% of children between the ages of 13 and 18. Mm -hmm. Those statistics are alarming. Yes, it's really a problem right now. Yes. So let's get into just talking about what is anxiety. Sure. So when I think about anxiety, the, the first thing I start thinking about is our, our fear system. And our bodies are so just wonderfully made. And we are made with this fear system. And this system is set up really for our survival. So if there's something scary going on or something happening, we have an alarm that goes off in our body and it sends signals. It sends signals for our heart to start racing, our pupils to change, our body temperature to change, our body gets activated. And that's for us to move into action in some way. So this is fantastic. The thing happens, though, that um, sometimes this fear system can be more sensitive. Sometimes it kicks into action, even when there's not something specific happening or a danger right in front of us. It's more of a perceived threat that's going on. And that's when anxiety comes into play. What causes anxiety? Gosh, there's so many things that cause anxiety. One, it is the way that our brain 
works, um, how neurotransmitters are released and picked up in our brain. Um, it's also, can, there's a genetic component to it. Um, it can be a learned response of how we are learning how to respond to situations in our environment. Um, a lot of times it's about how we are perceiving something that's occurring and we don't realize that how we think about things um, and how we interpret what's happening around us sends a message to our, our brains and our body that causes a response. And then in turn, it causes us to go into action. Sometimes that is all controlled by anxiety. Hmm. How would we know if anxiety is lurking? Well, one of the biggest clues um, is the physical feeling that goes on. Um, if you can think about a time that you may have been anxious about something, you may notice immediately some physical changes. I do. Do you? What do Heart you notice? Heart racing. Yes. Um, I, I feel like the world is kind of closing in on me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's your anxiety system responding, right? So it picked up a perceived threat, a danger, um, and all of a sudden it wants to get you ready for action. But sometimes there is you don't even know what that thing is. Sometimes it's just kind of popping up. Um, so you'll feel that pit in your stomach. You'll feel a tightness. You'll feel your heart racing. And you're not even quite sure why. Um, so that's the physical Part. Now, some people can feel that kind of slowly building. And so that's one way to know it's lurking. It's You kind of start noticing these changes. Sometimes anxiety can just hit you like a brick wall. You're moving along and next thing you know, um, you're being overcome by it. Typically, along with the physical symptoms, there's also a lot happening in your mind. Amen to that. <laughs> yes. My <laughs> mind goes crazy with every what-if scenario. Absolutely. And doomsday. Yes, that's called catastrophizing. So, oh, big word. I yes. have to remember that. <laughs> so you're right. The what if is one of the key things. When you start noticing yourself being like, what if this happens? What if that happens? One of the things you're going to notice is that what if is usually a worst case scenario. Of course it is. And you think that that's the very thing that's going to happen. And again, it's the worst case, but that's what my mind goes to. Sure. And you begin to believe that that is what is going to happen, that there is no doubt that there's any other way um, of an out any other outcome that that's possible um, and what else happens when we're in an anxious mode because our, our blood is pumping up to that frontal part of our brain and we are we are kind of in action mode it starts firing what if questions right so what if this what if that what am I gonna do and so you can feel your whole body kind of revving up into more of a frenzy right and yes when we're in that space Actually, our brain, the deeper parts of our brain and our emotional system are taking over, and our thinking brain is actually not even engaged. It's not even online at that point. That's um, interesting. Yeah, so it's, we're being completely controlled by this emotional system going on in our body, and as much as these questions are being fired, we aren't really in a logical problem-solving place that actually could help us work ourselves out of that place of anxiety. That is really interesting. So as an adult, if everything in my life is going well, why would I still feel anxious? If I could look around at the financial piece, at the emotional piece, at any of the different components of my life, and everything is going really well, but yet I still feel anxious, what, what is that? Why is that happening? 
Oh, the less of reasons. One, sometimes even if, if you think about even certain babies come in the world with a little bit more anxious temperament. So some of us do come into this world with just wired a bit more for anxiety. Huh. And you may have seen that throughout life. Um, so that's one piece of it. And sometimes the more that we have been in a response pattern, the more we tend to keep responding in that way. So even when things are going great, we may have the what ifs lurking or what should I be doing, right? We might be is constantly living without even knowing in a fear-based place. So even when things are going great, everything's smooth, there's those little lurking thoughts like, what if, or is this too good to be true? What will happen next? Um, and we don't mm. know it because we think we're in the moment having a great time, but it kind of sneaks in. One of the things I always say about anxiety is it can be so sneaky and tricky. And sometimes when it's lurking, even when everything is going really well, um, it will sound like it's our own voice, like, oh, well, just be careful or just don't get too excited. You know, it'll come in like that. And we think it's our true selves speaking, but really it's the voice of anxiety that's finding its way in. And if we don't notice that and we just think it's ourselves, we don't know to stop and name it and to do something with it. So it kind of grows and takes over without us even being fully aware. Interesting. That's, Lots to think about there. Yes. <laughs> what can we do if we feel like the situation is kind of growing and we feel that anxiety overcoming us? What kind of strategies can we put into place that might help us not necessarily avoid it? Because I think it's a natural response, mm -hmm. but so that it doesn't overtake us. Because I know... On a few occasions, I don't struggle necessarily with anxiety frequently, but there have been occasions where I can feel it coming on and I, I know that it's not going to shut me down because that's not what it does to me. But I would like to know how to lessen it or manage it. Sure. Well, that is the good news about anxiety. You can manage it. And there are definitely lots of tricks to help you do so, so that it doesn't steal your joy and steal your freedom in the moment. It Anxiety is um, somewhat, somewhat of a bully. So it will come mm -hmm. in and, you know, it kind of, here you are doing your thing and it makes you think a certain way, act a certain way. And sometimes you can feel like you have to do what the bully anxiety is telling you to do. Like a real life bully. Like a real life bully. Like, give me your money now. Okay, right? <laughs> and then the more you do, the more the anxiety keeps coming. Okay. Um, so we don't realize that we have some skills that we can use to actually empower ourselves to stand up to anxiety and begin to take more control. And when we feel more in control of where we're going in and of our bodies and what we're doing, actually anxiety can become less and less. So I can talk a little bit about some of those specific things. Yes, please um, do. One of the, the things that I think is most important is really have a name for anxiety. Even just calling it out, this is anxiety talking, right? Some, I love doing this with kids. They'll come up with great names for anxiety and we'll draw pictures of what their anxiety looks like because the more you can see it as separate from yourself and not mm. your own truth speaking, because it really can mask your own voice, the more you can talk to it and kind of engage in a almost kind of a fight against it. Um, so by naming it, all of a sudden is the first step in taking away its power. I like that. So what do you say to it once you name it? 
it can be as simply like, I know this is anxiety talking. I know this is you anxiety, right? Just by naming it, all of a sudden it brings a bit of a calm that you don't really, now the other thing that's happening is you're engaging your logical thinking brain. We're coming out of that full emotional place. We're engaging our thinking brain. When our thinking brain and our feeling brain are connected and they're working, they're amazing team. When one dominates, (laughs) we can get a little off course. I can see how that could happen, but I like the whole idea of naming it uh, because what you're saying really resonates with me, how it it separates it, and then you can attack it. It's kind of like spiritual warfare. Yes. When you know that you are under spiritual warfare, you can say, uh, not today, we're not going there, you are not going to take over and train wreck my day. Absolutely. I it's like the that. Same, that. That is exactly it. I see you. I know you're lurking. I know you're trying to hijack my day, and I don't want to do this with you today. The next thing you really want to do is that once you name it, is to take a moment and to breathe. People often think like, oh, this breathing, is that just a hokey thing that we're doing? But it's not. Actually, what it does, we have two parts of our nervous system. We have a part of ourselves that gets us ready for action with anxiety. We have a calming recovery part of our system. Right. So that's always again, we are amazingly designed. So we have a rev up and we have a cool down by deep breathing. We're actually triggering that calm part of our brain to come over. So it stops releasing all the action in our body that's occurring. That brings us into action, starts calming us down. So our heart rate can recover. Our body temperature can recover. Our eye dilation can recover. And so by doing that. What you want to really make sure you're doing is if you put your hand below your belly button and make sure like almost like a balloon that you're really breathing in deeply. A lot of people say, I try that breathing thing and it doesn't work. And it's often because they're almost hyperventilating. They're doing really short, fast breaths that are actually feeding the anxiety. What we're trying to do is trigger that part of our calming nervous system. So you want to make sure that you're breathing really deep and that you can almost watch your hand just expand like a balloon filling up in your belly and then hold for a second and release. There's so many great breathing techniques that are available and there's all these different strategies. So people really have to find what works best for them, but that's probably the most simple form. And then once you're a little calmer, you're not feeling quite so frenzied, it's really good to start answering those what if questions. You know, you were talking about what if, what if, I mean, do you ever notice that when you start that there's never an answer? That is true. What if this, what if that? It's like, well, let's hold on, let's pause. And let's think about that. What if that did occur? Okay. So we're putting ourselves back in our thinking part of our brain, and we're putting ourselves back into a problem-solving, logical part of our brain, which anxiety is not always logical and rational, but it will convince you that it is. That is very true. That, that illogical part, the times that I have struggled with anxiety— if I do like what you're saying and, and try to, I don't know that I've ever cognitively thought, let's answer those what if questions. Mm-hmm. But I do think that's not going to happen, Mel. That, right. that is not even possible. And if I get to a situation where that might be a possible situation, then I think, how would I deal with it if it did happen? Yes. And it's not as big and scary and overwhelming as I thought it was once, as you said, got that that logical part of my brain working. Yes, that is exactly it, right? When you stop and you say, what, if, what, if, what are really the chances of that occurring? Anxiety loves to say, but there is that .0001 chance that it could possibly occur, <laughs> right? That it loves to that. Well, what would I do then? 
Right. If that worst case, because what it, it makes you do is say, what if, and it's a hundred percent chance it's going to happen and then life is over. Um, so what we're doing is slowing down with it. Well, what, what would happen? What are the chances of that occurring? What would I do? And what would I do then? And what would I do then? Um, so we can begin to see that we are, can think our way and do some problem solving with it rather than just be overcome by it. So I'm a journaler. I like to write out things, especially when I'm writing for, with my students, for example. Yes. Um, could you write it out? Oh, it's Because weird. sometimes if I see things in my own handwriting, it, it helps me to process it better. Writing is fantastic. Um, one, writing helps you put everything that's going on in your mind out on paper so that because when we're in, it's just in our head, things make sense. Our brain automatically fills in holes and gaps and makes things make sense that we're actually missing big pieces of the puzzle. So when you have to write it out, you begin to see those holes like, wait, where was I going? What? Wait, what was that? What was I saying? Um, so you can start to catch yourself where the thinking is taking you down a path that you don't want to, to go on. Also, it's good to have those kind of brain dumps where all that stuff that's spilling around in your head can be then spilled onto the paper. Um, so then you can actually begin to think, which of these things do I want to target or address? Sometimes our anxiety can also be our friend. So sometimes if something is happening that you're anxious about and you begin to write about it, you can see that there's something that keeps making you uncomfortable. There's a certain situation. There's a certain interaction maybe with a certain mm. person. There's a certain task that you're doing and you realize, wow, it's, it's really when I'm in this situation that it's coming up. What is my anxiety trying to teach me? What is it? What is, what is my feeling underneath that? What am I feeling insecure? Am I feeling uncomfortable because of something? Do I need to have more skill in that area? So it can actually help us when we're writing down to get to the bottom of what is this thing going on? And is there something that I need to do that is trying to help me learn? Maybe you're avoiding something and it's causing you anxiety because you really need to hit it head on. Yes. And that would reduce the anxiety if you just dealt with the situation. Absolutely. Mm. It can help put it Aha all out moment there. there. Aha. We love those. <laughs> so I had uh, one of the people reach out to me on Facebook when I asked for questions, knowing that you were coming. And I, I think they struggled with the idea that people often say, you should just take it to God. And I know and I believe that you should. Yes. But sometimes they feel like that is not enough. Yes. So what other things in the in the spiritual realm could that person do that would help ease that anxiety? Sure. You know, I think this is always um, a really important question uh, because people will say, I'm going to take it to God. And absolutely. Number one. Yes. And sometimes they'll be repeating the same prayer. And I think of that story when, you know, there's the flood. And have you heard, heard the story that there's a, a flood coming and God sends a, a person to say, hey, listen, flood's coming. Mm-hmm. Evacuate. The person's like, no, 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 I'm turning it to God. And God sends a boat. And the boat yes. comes by and says, hop in the boat. Person says, no, 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 I'm waiting, I'm waiting. Helicopter comes. No, doesn't jump in. Doesn't jump in. Waiting for God. Person drowns, gets up to heaven and says, God, 
I prayed, I prayed and prayed. And he said, I sent you a notice. I sent you a boat. I sent you a helicopter, right? Sometimes I think what we think is that how do we put what is in front of us into action? How do we pray? How do we look for inner peace, look for inner guidance? And pause and see what is around me, what life preservers are around me, what skills are around me, who can I reach out to, to also help kind of in our, in our earthly interactions. I, I like that story because I think that that is true of all of us in that whatever the situation, whether it's anxiety or, or, anxiety or anything else, I think we often pray about it and we expect a certain answer from God. Yes. And like you said with the story, he provided answers. That person did not take advantage of those. And I think we need to broaden our scope of what we need from God and not just pigeonhole it into one certain answer and expect that from him. Right. And that goes across anything that we pray for. Yes. But I can see how that would ring true with anxiety because there are people out there who you could... Um, benefit from spending time with that would bring down that anxiety. Yes. Um, maybe you read a book that somebody has recommended a couple of months ago that now all of a sudden is meaningful because it would help with your anxiety. Yes. There's so many tools and there's professionals who have been trained, right? And that's, that's all part of what's here for us to use. And sometimes, especially with anxiety, we can get pretty rigid in our thinking. We can get, it, the answer has to look a certain way. It has to be a certain thing. We must have this work this particular way. And we can even do that with the outcome of our prayer. It must look in this way, in this form. And we can overlook all that's right in front of us that's being given as resources and support um, that can bring us much more peace. Do you find that there are scriptures that are great to memorize and then say again when you are facing those struggles that help actually do something in our brains mm -hmm. that bring cal that calmness? I think one of the things with prayer um, in scripture, or as some people say mantras, um, is finding what really resonates with you. Mm -hmm. You know, and so because what we're looking for is knowing that that peace is within us mm -hmm. and to look within for that peace. And so when you're reading what speaks to you, for me, I think about let my faith be bigger than my fear. Mm. Um, that to me is a mantra that I will use um, or a simple please bring me peace. Let me find my, please help me find my peace. Yes. Um, but what I've learned is that what brings people peace and what comes their go-to scripture or response or self-talk or their mantra is something that really does in their body feel calming to them. And it's very personalized. It's very personal. And sometimes that's a part of a song um, that can really come. That's something that really brings um, peace. So as we are getting close to the end of this first part of our anxiety series, let's talk about your one takeaway. I think number one is to know that you can overcome anxiety. I like that. You I'm all can. about overcoming. You are. You are. <laughs> and you can. The anxiety, you are not doomed. You can overcome it. I like that. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Christie. Thank you so much for having me. When life zigs and zags, and you know it will, remember that you can overcome anxiety. 
Join us for part two tomorrow when Dr. Christie answers questions about teens and anxiety. If you have a young person in your life, you don't want to miss it. Wow. I don't know about you, but I felt like I was back in college taking notes. I had so many notes on this mini course on anxiety. I guess the best part to me was learning how to engage my thinking brain when anxiety threatens to bully me. To me, that was just simply powerful. And how about those strategies? I know I'm picking out a name tonight so I can talk back to anxiety when it threatens to wreck my day or drown me in those stupid what-if questions. I hope you had as many takeaways from this episode as I did. Please make sure to share this episode with your friends and family. And don't forget to join us tomorrow for part two in the anxiety series when Dr. Christie is back again with us to answer questions about our kids and anxiety. <laughs>